and, and really looking at what the Bible has to say about the fruit of the Spirit and, and what it's talking about in regards to those things. So Galatians chapter number 5, and uh, we are, um, well, I don't know if we're halfway through, but we are well into our study on uh, the different fruit of the Spirit here and the, uh, the idea that the Bible gives us. And uh, the Bible says here in Galatians 5 and verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And I would turn our attention, I've mentioned this several times, and I'll continue to mention it because I believe it's so important, is uh, that this is the fruit of the Spirit. And there's no way for us to manufacture the fruit in the Spirit in the works of the flesh. We just do not have that ability. Now, some people may be more kind than others. Some people may be more gentle, as it says, gentleness, than others. Some people may be more long-suffering and patient than others. Some people may have more uh, love or joy or peace or these things that are uh, described here. Uh, but the truth of the matter is we in our flesh and in our own ability do not have the capability of producing these to the extent that God produces them. And, uh, and so we need to understand that in and of ourselves we are not capable of putting forth these attributes uh, that are the fruit of the Spirit. Go with me, we're in Galatians. Go with me to Galatians, Ephesians, the next book over, chapter number 5, and verses 8 through 10. Ephesians chapter number 5, verse 8. The Bible says this, talking about goodness. We're looking at the fruit of goodness that is a fruit of the Spirit there in Galatians 5.22. It says in Ephesians chapter 5, and verse number 8, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And let's stop right there and uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. God, we thank you for the opportunity, the privilege, really, we have of gathering in your house, Father, around your word and uh, singing praises, Father, to your name and the songs that we sing. And God, I pray that uh, you would be exalted this morning, that you'd be lifted up. And God, I pray as we look at this idea of the fruit of the spirit of goodness, God, that you'd speak to our hearts and God, that you would help us to uh, submit ourselves to you, that goodness might come forth out of our life, Father, and may be a fruit to your testimony, uh, to you, Father, working and, and, uh, and living inside of us. God, I pray that you would just bless each and every person this morning. I pray that you would, um, uh, again, uh, use me, speak through me, Father, in Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. As we look at this passage and the idea of the fruit of the Spirit and goodness, uh, I want us to understand this, that goodness is used in many different ways to many different people. If you had 100 people uh, in a room and you were asking them, hey, what does goodness mean to you? You'd probably get uh, at least 50 different responses about what goodness means. Uh, because people really look at goodness differently. Some people equate goodness or good uh, with uh, knowledge. 
Uh, and, and they say, well, if we can increase the knowledge of good, then there would be no evil. And they think, well, uh, that's the idea of goodness. Uh, and some people will equate goodness to materialism. Um, they say this, the, the, you've heard this expression, we understand this, uh, the good life. And, uh, and some people say, well, you know, if I could just, man, I'm working to that day that I can, uh, that, that I'll have all the money set aside and I can retire and I can live the good life uh, out on my boat and uh, doing this and doing that and, and whatever it is uh, that, that equates that lifestyle with the good life. And, uh, and that's a common idea of that. Um, and, and by the way, I, let me just state this. There's nothing wrong with having stuff, and there's nothing wrong with retiring. There's nothing wrong with working hard all your life and saving up and, and retiring and, uh, and relaxing. I don't want you to get the idea that that is wrong. Uh, but sometimes that is equated with the good life. And, uh, and then some, some are, um, equate it to an action that we do. And uh, I, I'll never forget a, a pastor a friend of mine, he was on a diet, and his wife uh, was very meticulous about his diet. And every day she would pack him a lunch, and, uh, and he'd go off to the church office, and, and, uh, and, he would, and, and she had given him just the specific foods that he was supposed to eat. And so he was at the church all day, and, and, uh, and he'd, lunchtime would roll around, he'd eat his lunch, and, and, uh, and he'd go home, and she'd ask him, did you eat your lunch? He said, yep, I ate my lunch. I ate what you packed for me. She said, okay, good. Well, he was at, you know, this went on for a while, and, and he was at the office one day, and one of his pastor friends said, hey, what are you doing for lunch today? He said, well, I'm eating here at the office. He said, would you like to go out lunch with me? He said, actually, I would. And, uh, and so he thought, my wife's going to ask me if I ate the lunch that she packed for me. So before I go out to lunch, I have to eat this lunch. So he gobbled up the lunch that, he, that she had packed for, but it, but it always kind of left him hungry anyway, so he didn't really have a problem going out to eat afterwards, and, and indeed he went out to eat. And, uh, and it turned into, you know, two times a week that he would do this. Uh, he, he started calling other pastor friends, hey, what are you doing for lunch? You know, hey, would you like to go out for lunch with me? And he'd eat his, and every day he'd go home and his wife say, uh, did you eat the lunch? I, yeah, I ate the lunch that you packed for me. And, uh, and she just never could figure out um, why he wasn't losing weight. Until one day it came out, well, I'm going out to eat with my pastor friends at lunchtime, and I'm eating more lunch than I'm supposed to. And, and so some people would equate good to, uh, I'm doing good, I'm sticking to the diet, all right? He was not doing good and not sticking to the diet. And, uh, and so sometimes people equate good as uh, some action that we will do. Um, but the Bible tells us, and I, you can just mark these down for sake of time, but the Bible tells us that God is the example of goodness. We're not going to spend a lot of time on these verses, but I do want to note them because I believe they're important, and I believe they help us understand what is true goodness, what is biblical goodness, if I could say it that way, and how the Bible defines goodness. In Psalm 100 and verse number 5, the Bible says, For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. And certainly, uh, just as the Bible says, and we looked at the idea of love, that God is love, the Bible says uh, that the Lord is good, and certainly God is the definition of good. Not only that, we can also see that, uh, that God's works are good, are for our good. The Bible says in Romans 8.28, it's a verse that we commonly know, uh, many of us, 
The Bible says in Romans 8, 28, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. And so God is working in our lives to bring forth good. Now, uh, I don't want to get off track and, and go down a, uh, a rabbit hole here, but, uh, but certainly sometimes there are things in our life that come by and they do not feel good. Um, and, and we may scratch our head and say, I don't define this as good. Uh, I have a story. It's kind of a, a, a cheesy story, if I could say it that way, uh, that, that I use, but it's a, a, a phenomenal point. Um, and, and ask me sometime, and I'll tell it to you. I'm not going to do it now. But, uh, but we know that sometimes, um, you know, difficult circumstances, God is using that to bring about good in our life. Let me say this. That is an amazing thing about God, that He's able to take sometimes a difficult circumstance and a difficult uh, a point in our life, and He's able to bring it about for good. Uh, you look at Job as probably the classic most used illustration in the Bible, and rightfully so, because Job had everything going for him. He had uh, children, he was serving the Lord, he had quite a bit of wealth, and in one day he lost all of it, every bit of it. All of his children died, all of his wealth was gone, and, and basically the blink of an eye. And you say, well, that's terrible. Was, was Job a sinner? No, Job, didn't. he did not do sin to bring the judgment of God upon him, but rather God was using his life as an illustration to others, and he was teaching him some stuff. And at the end of the book of Job, we find that Job had twice as many children as he started with, and God had restored every bit of his wealth that he had started with. And he said this, for when I am tried... I will come forth as gold. And what a, what a wonderful example is Job. And so understand this, that God works in our life to bring about good, even though sometimes it may not feel good. I want you to know this, that God gives good gifts. The Bible says in James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And certainly God gives good gifts and he's able to bring about good works in our life and he is the epitome of goodness and Jesus Christ himself put on display the goodness of God and uh, and you can see that all through scripture you can see that throughout the gospels the goodness that he brought into people's lives how he healed the sick and uh, healed the lame and healed those people and brought some people back to life and and just uh, was was the savior really uh, as he came to this world and the salvation that He offers to you and I, what an incredible example and what an incredible display of God's goodness here on the earth was the life of Jesus Christ. And so we find that, uh, that goodness is portrayed in the Bible uh, as far different as what maybe the world makes of it or many times what we would even perceive as goodness. Uh, there, there's a yet a higher and better example in the Word of God, of what goodness is, maybe I could say a more complete uh, example of what goodness is in the Word of God. And, uh, and so first and foremost, what we need to understand about the goodness uh, of God or the goodness that we need is we need to recognize our need for God's goodness in our life. 
We need to recognize our need. Uh, I'm looking at, as we're looking at the fruit of the, the Spirit, and I've reminded you guys of this week after week, uh, that, listen, these things are produced by the Spirit of God that dwells within us. These are not manufactured by ourselves. These are something that, hey, we need God to work in us. And listen, in our pride, uh, we don't like to admit uh, our, our inabilities or our faults or our failures. I've often looked at people and uh, sometimes I, uh, I see things and, and I say, man, it's, it is hard. Uh, matter of fact, one of the things that a lot of times I've heard many times is people say, man, it's, it's hard. When you grow old, it's hard. And they tell me this, don't grow old. And I'm like, I don't like the, alter- the alternative to that, all right? I mean, um, you know, I mean, it's don't grow old or die early. I mean, I, that's not really good options there. Uh, but, uh, uh, but they say it's hard, and I often will respond, well, growing old is not for the weak, all right? Uh, it's for those who are tough and those who are strong, and we endure, and, and sometimes it's tough. But listen, when we find ourselves with a lack of ability, I know in my own life, when there's some things that you just cannot do, boy, it frustrates me. And not only it frustrates me, it's a, it's a humbling experience. Not only age, but I tell you what, you want one of the most humbling experience, take off and, and go to a foreign country where they do not speak English, and, and park there for a while, live there for a while, and try and get around and find out, wow, it's really humbling to have to, uh, uh, to you know, depend upon people uh, for everything. I, I remember when we first got to Peru, and I didn't, know, uh, I didn't know Spanish very well, and my pronunciation was bad, and, and, uh, and my wife and I decided that we wanted a pet dog. So we called a taxi. We thought, we're, we're feeling big. We thought, well, let's, let's do this on our own. We don't want an interpreter. Let's, we can, I mean, we know the word for dog. It's perro. It's pretty easy. Uh, we can do this. We'll just get in the taxi. We'll just tell them, um, comprar perro. We want to buy a dog. Uh, it was very crude Spanish, but we got in the taxi and we told them that. And so the taxi took us and, and, uh, uh, to a place and, and he parked on the side of the road and he pointed out the window. We looked out the window, and there's no pet store within sight. There's not a pet store on the hall block. And, uh, and we're looking around, and we're saying, well, this, we don't see it. And so we repeated the little phrase that we knew, that we looked up in the dictionary, and we knew the words were right. And, and so we said it again, uh, compramos un perro. And, and he said, oh, okay. And so he drove, uh, drove around the block four times and went to a different store and, uh, and, uh, and pointed to the store. We looked out the window, and there wasn't a pet store on the whole block. We thought, maybe we're missing something. We said, just, just wait for us. So we got out of the taxi. We went in, and we, we went around the store, and, and, uh, and there was nothing. There was no pets in there. There was no dog in there. And uh, we finally went back out to the taxi, and, and, uh, and again, we tried again. And, and I'm not kidding you, we probably wasted a couple hours doing this, just going from place to place, and each time, you know, and coming up empty. And, and we finally uh, got back home. We said, you know, just, just take us back to the house. And, and so he took us back to the house, and, and, uh, and we thought, man, I don't understand. And, and it wasn't until uh, a while back that or a while later, rather, that I recognized all the stores where he had taken us were hardware stores. And I thought, well, that's really strange. And then I realized that uh, instead of saying perro, I must have had a poor pronunciation, and I said perno, which is a nut. 
You know, you'd buy that at a hardware store, a bolt and a nut. And so he kept hearing uh, a perno instead of a perro. And, uh, and so he took us to all the hardware stores. And, and what I'm saying is, listen, sometimes it's humiliating to understand, hey, you can't get things done that you would like to get done because of your inability. And sometimes we are not able to display the goodness. Listen, there's times that uh, uh, sometimes, man, we know, uh, you and I, we both know, you know in yourself. That, hey, there's sometimes you're just feeling ornery. I mean, you just don't feel like being good. You just don't feel like displaying goodness. But we need to recognize that we need God's goodness in our life to be able to display that to other people. Uh, and listen, our original nature is not good. The Bible says, and we're going through the book of Romans on Sunday nights, and the Bible says in Romans 5, 12, uh, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And we find that, listen, we all have a sin nature. And inside of us, every one of us have that, uh, that desire maybe to not be so nice sometimes or uh, to, to uh, not allow goodness come out. And, and so we have to recognize that, hey, it's, it's within us. You ever look at an apple and you see that hole in there? And you say, well, man, how did that, how did that worm get into that apple? And that's logical. That's a good question. I mean, you flip it around to the other side and say, well, you didn't go straight through. You can't look all the way through. You hold it up and you can only look in. And, and what they have discovered is that, listen, uh, those, those insects, whatever they are, they come and uh, they'll lay their eggs on the blossom of the apple bloom when it's a flower. And when it forms into an apple, that egg is on the inside. And eventually, uh, after it's all formed into an apple, that egg will hatch and a worm is born inside of that apple and it will chew its way out of that apple. Listen, that's like you and I. We have, we have within us a sin nature that will work its way out one way or the other. Uh, it is inside of us, and we need to be aware, of, be aware of that because we inherited that from Adam. And listen, we cannot, we cannot produce true goodness. We're simply not capable of producing goodness at the level that God produces goodness. We're not able to display the same amount of goodness that God has. The Bible says in Romans 7.18, uh, it says this, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. And Paul is going through in Romans chapter 7 that, that, that battle within every Christian that, uh, listen, he desires to do good, but he doesn't always do good. He desires to do right, but he doesn't always do right because he has a sin nature within him. And we're not able in and of ourselves to produce uh, true goodness according to God's standard. That's an interesting thing, because listen, sometimes uh, we're, we're tempted uh, to compare ourselves to other people. And you ever notice when you compare yourselves to other people, you ever notice you don't pick the top guys? You're always going to pick the guy that's down here. You're like, man, I am so much better than that guy. 
I mean, he does this and he does that and he does this. And, and man, I am so much better. You never pick, uh, you know, somebody that's better. If, if you're a sports player uh, and you play baseball, for example, and I'll display my ignorance because I really don't know uh, a lot of sports players. It doesn't matter what sport it is. But if, if you play baseball and, uh, uh, and you're, you're, you're telling your buddies about how good you are about uh, baseball and there's a gazillion stats that go with almost every sport. And it seems like baseball, there's twice as many. I don't even know what they all are. But uh, uh, and you're saying, well, man, I, you know, my batting average is this and, and all these different stats. And, and you say you might pick, you're going to pick somebody way down low that's like, oh, I'm better than that guy. But I can promise you this, you're not going to say, yeah, stack me up against Babe Ruth. No, you're not going to do that because you're not going to compare to somebody that is uh, that is really good at that sport. You know, the Bible sets a standard for us, and that standard is God himself. And when we compare ourselves to God and we compare our goodness to God's, we find out, wow, we're lacking in that department. And we're not as good as we thought we were. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6, he says this, but we are all as an unclean thing. And this phrase uh, says this, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Now I know that stings a little, to be honest with you. We like to think we're good people. We like to think, uh, well, we're, we're, we're doing pretty good and we're, we're holding our own and we're okay. But the truth of the matter is, if we're honest before God, listen, we, we don't hold a candle to God. And all the goodness that we can muster up within ourselves, and the Bible defines it as our righteousness. If we were to gather all our righteousness before God and were to present it to God, the Bible says that it's like a filthy rat. It's no good. And so we find that uh, our inability to produce goodness uh, keeps us back, but at the same time, it also allows us to say, God, I need your help in this area. And I cannot do this in and of myself. It's not possible. And it makes us dependent upon God. And so we see that uh, we need first and foremost to recognize our need for God's goodness in our life. The second thing we need is to receive Christ as your Savior. You cannot produce goodness without Christ inside of you. It simply is not possible. And the answer is not within us to produce goodness. Uh, That goodness will only come when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our own personal Savior. The Bible says, go with me to John chapter number 3. John, the Gospel of John chapter number 3. John chapter number 3. Look with me at verse number 5 as Jesus is talking with Nicodemus. Nicodemus uh, comes to Jesus and he's a Pharisee and he comes to Jesus at night uh, because for fear of the other Pharisees. And, and look at what he says there in verse number 5, John chapter 3 in verse number 5. He says, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. 
Listen, uh, every one of us uh, that is sitting in this room and every one of us is within the sound of my voice, uh, listen, we have been born of the flesh. If you weren't born of the flesh, you would not be here this morning. It's not possible. Because the flesh is talking about this right here. Uh, the skin, the bones, all, all that makes up my body uh, that was born of the flesh. All of us have a mother and all of us have a father somewhere uh, that, that uh, brought us into this world. And so we find that, listen, that's true. But then the second part of that is that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And what he's saying is, listen, uh, if we've never been born again, and we would know that as salvation, as he's talking with Nicodemus, he's saying, listen, you must be born again. Uh, and, and Nicodemus says, well, what does that even mean? Uh, and Nicodemus was thinking fleshly. He's like, that's not possible to be born twice. But Jesus was talking about a spiritual birth, and that is a new birth. And with that new birth comes a new nature within every one of us. And the Bible talks about that in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, so we see that there is a requirement for a second birth. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We were just in Ephesians chapter 5. So go back to 4 and verse number 22. The Bible says this. When we trust the Lord Jesus Christ as our own personal Savior, then we have that new nature within us because God gives it to us. It is uh, placed inside of us. And he says in Ephesians chapter 4, in verse number 22, he says that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and he goes on and says in verse 23, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And he's saying, listen, that uh, we're to put off that old nature. Uh, and we are to put on that new nature. Uh, that means, hey, there's going to be a war within us, a battle inside of us. When you trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, uh, listen, that the Spirit of God comes and dwells within you, and, uh, and your old spirit's still in there. And listen, they're going to they're gonna battle. There's going to uh, there's gonna be days, hey, your, your flesh is going to win out. There's going to be days uh, that, that your spirit wins out. Well, how do you know the difference? The difference is, um, somebody explained it this way, uh, whichever one you feed more is going to win. You feed the spirit more, and the spirit's going to win. You feed the flesh more, and the flesh is going to win out. And listen, we have got to uh, we have got to give in and submit ourselves to God, uh, so that we can so that the Spirit uh, can dominate in our life. That's what he's saying here in this this verse. He's saying, uh, put off the old man, put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And we need to partake of His divine nature. It's so important for us to, uh, to as the Bible says in Ephesians 5.18, I believe it is, uh, that He says, uh, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And He goes on throughout the book of Ephesians talking about walking in the Spirit and doing those things that are right. And listen, that's, we need to submit 
to God. After we've been saved and born again, then we need to walk in the, uh, in the, the Spirit. And that would produce goodness in our life. Because He will come out on top. He will come out uh, winning in our life. And so we see, uh, recognize our need for God's goodness. We need to receive Christ as our Savior. And I kind of... Uh, and understand that we need to walk in the Spirit so that we can um, have God's goodness displayed. But then lastly, as we look at this, uh, we need to reveal the goodness of God to a lost world. Listen, it's, it's one thing to be saved, and it's one thing to know that the Spirit of God dwells within us, but it's another thing to actually uh, display it to the world. Listen, this world needs... It needs to see Christians. It needs to see people who are born again. It needs to see people who are walking in the Spirit. It needs to see people who are displaying goodness, not our own goodness, but the goodness of God through us to them so that they can understand, hey, you know what? There is a God in heaven. There is, there is somebody that cares about us. And being good is on the inside, but doing good is displayed on the outside. And it's only done through submitting to the Holy Spirit of God and allowing His light to shine through us. And goodness is found uh, in the Word of God. The Bible says in Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, uh, He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly, with thy God. And listen, the world does not need to see more of Shane Rice. No. The world does not need to see more of whoever you are. The world needs to see more of God. And they're only going to see that shining through us. Uh, when we walk with God and we take the Word of God and we, we look at the Word of God and, and we study the Word of God, listen, the, the Word of God has the answer to all of life's problems and all of life's uh, uh, difficulties. And, and you say, well, Pastor, where does it say uh, about this? Where does, where does it mention um, smartphones in the Bible? Listen, it doesn't mention smartphones. It doesn't mention computers. But it will tell you how you should behave yourself when you have one or what forms of communication. The Bible is a timeless book. Whether you're communicating versus face-to-face -face conversations or when Alexander Graham Bell come out with a telephone and, uh, and all of a sudden, while wow, the new thing was uh, phoned down to Grand Central, hey, can you ring up for me Sally Smith? And they dial you up Sally Smith. And now you, got, you, you could punch it in on a phone all by yourself without calling there. And, and then all of a sudden, man, it's got faster with cell phones. Now you don't even have to know the number. Most smartphones have made us dumb. We don't even know telephone numbers anymore. We just punch the name in our telephone. And it dials that person up. Telephone number, I have no idea. I just touch the name. And it goes straight to that person. And, uh, and, and email and all of our correspondence is, is talked about with, our, uh, with the way we communicate with other people. And listen, the Bible is very clear about our communication. It says, uh, let no evil communication proceed from our mouth. That, hey, we're careful about how we communicate. That we would live right. And, and God's Word has the answer uh, for those things. And yes, uh, there's things that are, are different. But listen, we use them for the same things. Um, I was amazed. We were reading Bible the other day. And we were reading through the book of uh, Genesis. 
And, uh, and God created everything and it was good. And you get all the way up to chapter 5 and chapter 6, and God saw that the imaginations of man's heart was sinful always. And I thought, my goodness, in just five chapters, now granted a lot of time had passed in those five chapters, but in relatively a short time uh, frame, the world had corrupted itself with sin. And so what did God do in Genesis chapter 6? Uh, he sent judgment. He sent a flood that was in throughout the entire world. And the only people who survived uh, were Noah and his sons and their wives and his wife. And we find that uh, those were the only ones that, that God uh, had on the ark. And, and they came through to the other side. And, uh, and you find out that, listen, within five chapters, the world's corrupt again. You go back to... Chapter 11, and you know what you read about? Sodom and Gomorrah, and God's fixing to destroy it for the wickedness that's in it. What are you saying? I'm saying that our tendency as human nature is to go wicked, vile, evil against God. But when we submit ourselves to God and we read the Bible and we stick to what God has said, listen, uh, we can have, we can, and we submit ourselves to God, hey, that fruit of the Spirit of goodness will dis be displayed. When God saw the, uh, the, the imagination of, of man was wicked, uh, listen, I'm sure there was not a whole lot of goodness. I'm sure there was a whole lot of selfishness. I'm sure there was a whole lot of pride. I'm sure there was a whole lot of uh, envy. I'm sure there was a whole lot of covetousness, uh, of murder, of distrust, of all of those things, uh, even amongst mankind, that listen, uh, that, that they had gone completely against the Word of God. Listen, we need to submit ourselves to the Word of God. We need to read it and study it. And uh, the psalmist said this, he said, Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Listen, the Word of God tells us how to live our life. If we'll order our steps according to the Word of God. And goodness is revealed through a, a walk with Christ. The Bible says in Matthew 5.16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I'll never forget, in Peru, there was, um, uh, there was a, a missionary friend of mine. He had a big impact on my life. And, and actually, I ended up going to Peru even before I ever... Uh, went to Bible college. I spent the entire summer down in Peru. And while I was down there, um, uh, not that time, but I guess later it was, I, I remember uh, running into a lady and, and uh, she was not a saved lady. And, and I, I think she might have been a realtor. I really don't remember who she was. She did some paperwork for the missionary. And, and she said, this fella is a real saint of God. And I thought, what she's seeing is God shining through that man's life. May the world see God shining through our lives and may they look at us and say, that person's a real saint of God. Not because they see us, not because they see who we really are, but that we would die to self every day and surrender ourselves to God every day. And may they see God shining through our good works in the world, not because we're able to do good works, but because He's able to do them through us. 
if we'll submit ourselves to him and walk with him on a regular basis. The Bible says this in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 12, and we'll finish with this. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Listen, it's probably the hardest thing to not do evil to somebody that does evil to you. But it's probably the most Christ-like thing that you can do is to not repay evil for evil. The most natural thing for most people is if somebody were to haul off and hit you, the most natural reaction is hit them back. I mean, that's natural. But the most Christ-like thing you can do, what Jesus did was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And it's not easy, and it doesn't set well with our flesh, to be honest with you, but it's Christ-like. And it's goodness. And it's what God displays through us. And if we'll do that, hey, they'll behold our good works. There'll be evildoers that are out to get you. There's no doubt about it. But if you allow God to shine through you, hey, they'll behold your good works. They'll behold God in your life. And they'll see the goodness of God shining through your life. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet, Father, we thank you. Thank you for your spirit dwelling within us. God, may we know, may we understand, may we recognize that in and of ourselves, we are simply not able to do good works. But God, through you, great amounts of good can be accomplished. And God, people can be pointed to you. And your name could be honored and glorified in everything that we do. God, I pray that you'd help us to display your goodness. May we submit, may we yield to the Holy Spirit in our life. And may we, uh, may we follow your word and read your word and understand your word. And God, may it, uh, may it, may it feed our soul and cause us to display your goodness to a lost and dying world. God, I pray that you would speak to each and every heart. Help us to live as you would live here in this world. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God spoke to your heart, the altar is open. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your own personal Savior. Maybe you'd just like to ask God to help you to have that goodness on display, whatever the need.